Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Sport et al. podcast. Thanks a million to everyone again for all the support so far. It is fantastic. As I always say, just tell a friend. If you only do that, that's loads. Thanks a million. Today's episode is going to revolve around national sports of countries. When you think about the amount of different sports in the world, you probably haven't even touched the surface. If you start naming off different sports that you know, That's only a handful. We're only accustomed to the sports that we watch on TV or we play ourselves. If I think about sports that I watch consistently is GA. And before I start, there's going to be a lot of talk about soccer. I'm going to call it football. I know that might annoy some people, but I will call GA, GAR, GA and soccer football just to avoid any confusion. I watch obviously GAR. Football, F1, golf when it's on. I'll watch any sport when it's on, but I won't watch it consistently. So, disclaimer also, I've said it previously, but I don't think that I know more about sport than anyone else. I just really love it. All different types, as you'll find out in the kind of next segment. So, I'm not coming here with an attitude as I'm you know, lecturing to you or I'm telling you that I know all this stuff, I just really enjoy it and really enjoy researching it. So I love sports and I appreciate them. I think appreciate is the best word because I'm not claiming that I sit at home all day and watch every different sport and know it all. I just really appreciate the sports. Like I don't watch basketball, but I think it's one of the most skillful sports in the world. I don't watch NFL or American football, but I think they're the best athletes in the world. And like one of my favorite sports is table tennis. I'm not going to sit down and watch that, but I would play that for hours on end without doing anything else. So the amount of viewers of a sport is a very narrow lens to look through when you're judging it. Just because it's one of the most watched sports in the world doesn't mean it's any better or worse than any other game. If I think about the enjoyment I've got from watching some games, most of them haven't been on the TV. I watch some of the school basketball games. The school that I work in, very good at basketball, and I've gone to some of the games. Honestly, some of the most entertaining stuff I've ever watched. I've, I'll watch anything, really. But I've, I went to my girlfriend's sister's rugby match before, and it was the most enjoyable hour that I've experienced watching any sport. So televising the sport doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best sport. It's more about popularity and more about money. And I know I've talked about sponsorship and money and stuff like that in sport. I won't dwell on it, but again, more money that they can make from televising the sport, the more likelihood that they're going to televise it. And I know you could like argue that, well, it makes sense that they televise it because people want to watch it and they'll make money off it but badminton is the second most popular sport in the world and you don't see that on tv you don't see that advertised as super sunday badminton you know and but you'll see football advertised like that because it's a huge commercial side to it there's also a huge narrative side to it which i I tend to do a, a podcast on in the future about how they build up particular rivalries and particular things and you know make celebrities out of of players really 
but you don't see that in every sport. You see that in a lot of commercial sports. Again, badminton, table tennis, stuff like that. They're not making massive celebrities out of these players. Maybe that's because of viewership, etc. But again, it's not dictated by the viewers. If we just take Ga for example, you know, how unbelievable is that sport in terms of skill and physicality? And you ask someone across the world about it and they have no idea. They think, well, you know, it's played in Little Ireland. It's, you know, it's probably terrible. It's unbelievable. So it got me thinking about what other sports are played in different countries that we have no idea about. Like, you've seen them videos on YouTube of the American reacting to GA. It's unreal. So, like, how could we react to different sports that are played and might be massive in different countries? So a national sport of a country is anything that's an intrinsic part of the culture or of the country or a nation. So obviously GA is our national sport. It holds a significant value to the Irish people, has a rich history. It's unique to us and it's played by a lot of people. And that's kind of touching on some of the criteria that you have to hold for it to be a national sport. It has to be widely played. It has to have a long history of popularity or an extreme popularity at that time. And it's usually deemed by a governing body as a national sport. A lot of countries have what they call a de facto sport, which is like widely renowned as their national sport, but not very official. GA is our official national sport, as we know. And if you use GA as an example, it shows what national sports represent. And if you think of GA as a national sport, it's practically the backbone of a lot of communities. All the kids go there to play. Their parents meet there. There's volunteers to get involved. It's a whole sense of community and togetherness that is essential in a lot of areas. There's over 2,200 clubs in Ireland, according to the GA, and over 400 outside of Ireland. So even outside of Ireland, it holds a significant cultural value. A lot of people, the first thing they do, even if they don't play GA at home, will join a GA club out abroad, Australia, China, America, so, they, they, so that they can meet other Irish people. So it's nearly more important in places outside of Ireland, as well as how important it is inside of Ireland. One of the most important things I think about the GA and any sport really is that it's something to do. And I know that might seem basic, but in a lot of rural towns, the GA club might be the only thing to do. So it's great for parents and it's great for kids. Parents have kids going off meeting friends and doing something. You can talk about it through a very, you know, sports science lens and say how unbelievable it is for kids to learn coaching, learn about nutrition, learn about exercise, communication. But the simple fact that they're doing something is just as important. You think about when you're bored, that's when you get up to, you know, the most development, when you start messing. If people have nothing to do and no facilities and and no resources, that's when trouble starts. If you're putting all your energy and focus into a sport, it keeps you away from messing. Now, I'm not saying that anyone that plays sports isn't a messer, but I'm just saying the probability of you getting into trouble in, let's say, a rural town 
if you have sports facilities rather than not, there's a massive difference. So the simple fact that kids are occupied is just as important as them learning all the skills that come along with it. Obviously that's beneficial as well, but as long as they're doing something. <laughs> I sound like I sound like a parent right now with your look. So we're going to have a look at some of the most popular types of national sports. Uh, some of the most intriguing and entertaining sports that you've probably never heard of. And then take a look at some of them sports in a bit more detail and talk about their cultural importance and what they represent to that particular country. So there's three main sports that dominate the lists when you look at national sports. And not every country, as you can tell, has a unique different national sport. Um, firstly, to get it out of the way, the most popular by a mile is football. If you look at the list, roughly maybe 60-70% of the world either plays it as its most popular sport or its official national sport. Without getting into politics too much, it makes sense because the English tried to colonize most of the world and you know, the football is the English game and they've probably played it and dispersed it through different countries through years and years of colonization. One of the other most popular national sports is some form of combat. It's hard to distinguish just wrestling or taekwondo or something like that because there's so many different variations and it makes sense that there's different variations of fighting depending on what country or what region you're in. So one of them is Arnis. It's from the Philippines. It's like fighting with two sticks in your hand. Um, sticks in both hands. Um, you have Capoeira, which is the national sport of Brazil. And you might have heard of this one before. Because I remember McGregor having a, you know, a lot of training in Capoeira before his first Diaz fight. He had a trainer called Ido Portal. And he was trained in Capoeira. Capoeira is like... It's like a, a form of fight and dance put together. And they wouldn't necessarily be striking each other when they're fighting because it's kind of, a, as I said, a dance. And its origins make sense because it actually was a sport brought over from enslaved Africans, brought over to Brazil, who escaped. And they were kind of training to fight back. So they were training against each other but not hitting each other. So all these particular national sports have a really peculiar or specific origin story. A lot of the Asian countries have a lot of variations of the fighting sports. You know, you have sumo wrestling in Japan, you have archery in Mongolia. Different sports tend to originate from different regions. And as I said in episode one, wrestling is known as one of the first sports and the first sport because think about it people had to fight for survival initially and then the sport derived from that the third one of the most kind of basic and most common one is a form of baseball or a form of cricket so most people have football then a lot of countries have wrestling or some form of combat and then between baseball and cricket i would say you have like 90 percent of most countries national sports and I recently posted on Instagram, plus go follow that, the Sportadel podcast Instagram. I posted um, a question about how long do you think is actually played 
in baseball, how long of action is played in the like three hours, it's averaging three hours a game, and it was 18 minutes, 18 minutes of actual playing time in baseball. So how it's become a lot of people's national sports is beyond me. And hopefully there's no baseball fans on this because it seems like I'm giving a lot of hate over the last couple of weeks. But anyways, um, but the other ones make sense. Football, you just need a football. And, you know, England colonized a lot of the places. So they brought a football, they brought the game. Wrestling originates from fighting. A lot of people were fighting or doing some form of combat since day one. And then baseball is a bit funny. You need a bat, you need a ball, you need a kind of field. So I'm surprised that it's developed in the popularity the way it has, but maybe there's some reason for that that I don't know. Before I get into some of the ones that I'm going to be discussing, I do intend to do a podcast on the weirdest sports out there. These aren't necessarily national sports, but some of the craziest sports that take place on different countries. And I've come across them, or come across a couple of them, while doing a bit of research for this, so I look forward to that one. So... Some of the country's national sports, Turkey oil wrestling, and that's very self-explanatory. People wrestling while covered in oil. If anyone has seen old school, the film, first of all, it's a quality film. I highly recommend it. They do a small bit of a demonstration in that film. Um, in Nepal, they play a game called Dandy Bayo. And Dandy Bayo, it's kind of like cricket and baseball put together, but instead of hitting a ball, you use a stick to flip up, flip up the stick and hit the stick with the stick. <laughs> so imagine a baseball style kind of layout of a field and then you flip up your stick and you hit it. And there's loads of fielders and they have to catch the stick. You get points for how far you hit the stick, how many times you hit the stick. So you could flick it up, touch it once in the air and then hit it. Obviously it's very hard, but if you, you do it, you get an extra point and how far you hit it and their goal is to catch it and hit the stick back off the, the marker where you were okay so you're set up like a, uh, a batter in baseball but you have a stick very weird i don't know how it became about but it's a national sport a lot of people play it but these people would mainly be in rural areas so a lot of the national sports we talk about might necessarily be the most popular sport but they're very very important to particular cultures especially in rural areas you see that a lot with a couple of the sports that i talk about you ask a normal person in a city of that country they might have never heard of it but in rural areas it's again the sense of community these bandy bio or dandy bio games a lot of people would socialize at them come out, watch the game for a couple of hours, meet people. So it's a very important part of their society. So that's Dandy Bio. Um, that was the unofficial national sport until recently, and it was changed to the official sport of volleyball. And funny again, I'd say volleyball is the fourth most popular national sport. So you have number one, football, number two, combat, three, baseball or cricket, and four, volleyball and fun fact volleyball is the most played sport among communities that are nudist don't know you figure that one uae their national sport is camel racing bangladesh their national sport is kabaddi kabaddi is 
essentially like a rough game of tag in a small rectangular court which is divided up into sections I don't really know how to play it I didn't look into it too much but it looks pretty rough and a bit of crack um, and there's like proper competitions for it uh, a couple of the sports I'm going to talk about they wouldn't be well organized some of them have professional sides of them and then some of them are just played in a random field with very little rules So I'm going to talk mainly about three different sports that I found interesting. The first one of them is called Pato. Pato is played in Argentina and it actually translates into duck because they used to use a dead duck as a ball. It's a very physical sport. It is a combination of horse riding and quidditch. That's the only way you can describe it. Um, You have two teams, four riders, so four people, four horses on each team. And the duck that was, or sorry, the ball that was a duck is now a ball with six different handles on it. So the handles extend out from different areas and no matter what way the ball is facing or landed, you should be able to um, bend down and grab it and pick up a handle. So why I said it's a kind of mixture of horse riding and quidditch is because to score, you throw the ball in a hoop that's similar to the hoops in Quidditch. You have your upright pole with a vertical circle and then net in behind it. Some of the rules of the game are that once you pick up the ball, you have to have your hand fully extended. So let's say you pick it up with your right hand. Your right hand has to be fully extended out so that other players can ride by you and grab one of the other handles and tug it off you. And obviously it's a very demanding game because you have to have the strength to hold off a person grabbing your right hand, but you also have to hold the reins and manage a horse. So they don't nowadays they don't allow people play if you're not in peak fitness condition. Maybe that might be an overstatement, but yes, you have to be very fit. And it was extremely dangerous back in the day because it originated from South American cowboys playing this from farm to farm. So now it's a small pitch and it has distinct rules, but previously it would be could be a couple of kilometers from farm to farm. So they played it over wide areas and it was extremely, extremely violent. And not violent as in, you know, rough like it is now, like violent as in horses and people sometimes died because people would have knives and would literally stab other people to get the ball off them. So it was unbelievably violent. And now it's regulated. And although, as I said previously, it is their national sport, they say 80 to 90% of Argentinians have never played it or never even watched a game. The most played sport in Argentina, what do you know, is football. The second sport, and it's very important that this is included because it kind of leads on to what I'm going to talk about in depth, is the national sport of Bhutan. Bhutan's national sport is archery. Bhutan, first of all, it's a country, a small country in between China, Bangladesh and Nepal. So again, an Asian country, you have archery, you see that their national sport is some form of combat. 
it's one of the oldest sports as well because it originated from obviously wars and battles from estimated 600 BC. It obviously has a rich heritage and it's a massive part of the community. It's a massive social aspect to this game. And the reason I found this one interesting is because alcohol is permitted. So I don't know if it's encouraged, but permitted and a massive part of the game while you're actually playing it. So not the people coming watching. I'm sure they have a few jars as well, but the people playing. So they've decided that archery is a good sport to mix with beer. Some people using weapons, deadly weapons, are having a few jars. They're like, perfect, work away. Now, they, they are kind of strict at times. When there's too many people there, they reckon you can't be too steamed. Just have a few pints. Because, obviously, more people, the more risk of something going wrong and getting injured. And this kind of got me thinking about other sports that you play while drinking. Or, or drinking is encouraged. And when I go looking for this, all you get is articles about drinking culture, about this sport encourages a lot of drinking. So, first article, GA players are some of the highest percentage of binge drinkers there is. But then you have to look at the fact that, well, a lot of GA players train extremely hard and go on beer bands for weeks on end. And if they're caught with a pint, they're dropped. So... There's two sides to the, the blade, I suppose, for the articles about drinking culture. And one of them is that, well, we don't drink for a lot of the time, and then you go on a rip. And I suppose from my own experience, for the first three months of the year, I didn't drink, and it was practically like my whole personality. I felt fantastic. Oh, no, I'm not drinking this weekend. I'm off the beer until my birthday. I decided until middle of March, till my birthday, I will not drink. And it kind of proves the point that the article was was saying. I didn't do any drinking for the first three months. And then the first two weekends after my birthday went on to absolute terror. So I suppose maybe the lesson to learn from that is moderation is key. A few pints every night, good for you. (laughs) But yeah, I suppose with, with athletes nowadays, they're restricting people so much that when they're actually released, they go twice as bad. If you think about other sports that encourage drinking, rugby has a massive drinking culture. Players are, are encouraged to meet up with the other team and themselves after the game, a few pints. You know, if you said you weren't going to the pub, people would be a bit shocked. Um, it's a massive key or a massive part of um, lower level rugby. And I only recently saw a video of Tyke Furlong, Irish international rugby player, having a beer with the French player after the game. I thought it was brilliant. But you'd never see that in football. I remember the English team, there was an Instagram post and there was pizzas in the back after, obviously, an international game. And there was articles upon articles about, is this the right nutrition for England's England's, uh, stars? They're never going to win a Euros if they're eating pizza, etc. So moderation is key, I suppose. Darts is also a massive game where drinking is encouraged. I... I've heard people say, oh, I can't play without a few pints. They only start playing well after three, four pints. Um, obviously, it's a pub game. So you're going to have drink readily available. I suppose pool, now that I think about pool, any pub game, um, poker, 
he's going to have a lot of drink around. I suppose that's part of the game. A lot of people would say, well, I don't want to go play darts and just, just darts. I want to go to the pub and get the whole social aspect of it. Um, so that kind of links into what I was talking about initially with the GA and with the national sport. Sport is more than just exercise. Sport is you know, a cultural thing, a societal thing, a community thing. It's not just all about being in good shape or being the best at it. There's way more to it. I'm trying to think of sports people who would be the bigger drinkers. Definitely darts players. I don't think they'd be drinking beforehand, but they definitely go out in the lash after. Uh, rugby players, as I said, football players, you can't do it anymore. It's so regulated. They're like celebrities. It's probably one of the worst sports to be famous in terms of your lifestyle because you can't do anything. Your, your face is everywhere. And I know a lot of people would say, well, they get paid enough. Yeah, but they also don't have a life then. They probably have enough money that they can have a life privately, but you're not a person anymore. You're a sports star. So I always say that the perfect fame in a sports star is a, is a GA player, personally. Imagine, you're just a hero around your town, around your county, and you mightn't even be known in other counties, and you definitely won't be known outside of Ireland. So you can go on holidays and enjoy yourself and not be worrying about people taking pictures and you know putting it up on social media, etc. You also probably get free care. You still have a nice job. You can probably get a job most places. And you're set. So I think if I was going to be a sports star... Now, if you got paid millions, obviously, if you had... The, the wage of a footballer and the lifestyle of a GA player, that would be perfect. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? So there's a lot more that comes with sport. There's a lot more in terms of community, in terms of notability. It's not just sport and that's it. There's so many different aspects to it. One sport that links in with everything that we're talking about is a sport called Tejo. It is the national sport of Colombia and it encapsulates everything we're talking about in terms of drinking, drinking culture, culture, community and togetherness. It is played by the vast majority. Unlike Pato, as I said, Pato, most people have never played or watched Pato, but most people have played Teo. Teo is a very, very unique sport because it mixes everything that you would think is wrong in a sport and puts it together. It was inherited. A, they call it an inherited treasure from its Aboriginal ancestors. And it wasn't wiped out by colonial powers that tried to invade Colombia. So it's very, very special to the Colombian people. The game of Tejo is kind of simple. First of all, we'll set the scene of where it's played. It's usually played in, I wouldn't call them sheds, but like a concrete building with galvanized roof. So they're not the fanciest of places. They're also very rural as well, but it is all around Colombia, but mainly rural. And a lot of the middle, lower class will play it. It's not, it hasn't become very popular in the upper class yet, but they're trying their best. So it's like a, I wouldn't, I don't want to call it dirty, but like a rundown, what looks like a rundown 
shed where they play it. And what the aim of the game is to throw a rock 20 foot, you're 20 foot away from the board, and the board, we call it, is on the floor, it is a 45 degree angle clay board. So imagine you have like a, you know, a wooden box cut in half, right, you have 45 degree angle and it's filled with clay. And in that clay, there is, as far as I remember, six triangles made of paper filled with gunpowder. So you have six triangles placed in a circle, right, making some sort of a circle, right, and they've gunpowder in them. So when you actually hit the paper, the gunpowder may explode. But that's not the real aim. The real aim is to get it right in the center of the circle. You get six points, I think, for center of the circle, and three if you hit the um, paper filled with gunpowder. Could be nine if you hit in the middle. That's the aim, hit it right in the middle. So you're 20 foot away, throw a rock into the clay. Seems very simple, but as we were talking about, drinking is encouraged. Drinking is a massive part of the game of Teho. A lot of the time it's free to play. It's not like a club or a men- membership, but what you have to do is you have to be drinking. As long as you're buying beer at these places, they've had, they would have um, fridges and fridges of beer and they're encouraging people to drink. So this sport is combining gunpowder, throwing rocks and beer together. But it's a, a, an integral part of the game. Tejo is very important nationally, but things that make Tejo great, the sense of community and the beer and the social aspect of it is what's holding it back. They have literally a you know federation of Teho or whatever where they hold professional competitions. But the problem is they want to take this into schools. They want to take it into the Olympics. But you're not going to submit a game or teach a game in school which encourages drinking, which has gunpowder and the risk, there is a risk people get injured you know let's say like a firework you light a firework and it goes out and then when you go to light it again it could explode you have the gunpowder that may explode at different times and then also the preparation of the gunpowder so it's a very very dangerous sport which is not really welcomed by a lot of schools or a lot of or especially not the olympics so what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it a very friendly game they're trying to change the game so that it can be accepted into Olympics and accepted into schools. And I have podcasts lined up. I know I sound like I have a podcast lined up for everything on how you can get into the Olympics, how you can get a sport into the Olympics. And I didn't know how often they actually change sports. I thought like a, a new sport coming in would be massive. Like I think in 2024... There's going to be breakdancing. It's the first time breakdancing was ever in it. And previously, 2020 or 2021, there was skateboarding. That was the first time that was ever in it. And one of the criteria for an Olympic sport is that it has to be very, very popular in that country. Or it has to be very, very popular throughout the world at that time. So breakdancing, I think it's Paris 2024. Um, is obviously very popular there. So sports can come and go depending on popularity, but they obviously have to have some criteria. You're not just going to, you know, put a game that involves drinking 
and a game that has potential for extreme damage in the Olympics. So the Federation of Teho are trying to clean the game up. They're trying to get it introduced into schools so that people can play it from a young age. And they're also trying to make it clean so that if the Olympics ever comes to South America or maybe North South America, it's only ever been in Brazil. And apart from that, it's been North America, Asia, Europe. But if it ever comes to, let's say, Colombia, Venezuela, them areas, because Tejo is not only played in Colombia, it is played in a lot of the neighboring countries. So if the Olympics ever come to that area, Tejo might be in a position to be in the Olympics for that year, which is their goal. Now, I suppose the problem with that is that it's not a worldwide sport. So how can you expect Ireland to enter a Tejo team? I was just thinking about, well, if they got Tejo in, well, what if it came to the UK and Ireland? Why couldn't we get Guy in? For the same reason. We can't compete against Australia. Well, Australia wouldn't be the worst team to compete against in Gat, but let's say an Asian country, North American country. Not fair. The sport has to be played worldwide for different countries to compete in it and to get prepared for it. But anyways, that's more on the Olympic podcast. Back to Teho. The peculiar thing about Teho is that the main sponsors are beer companies. So the professional athletes or the people that play it at a high level are mainly funded by beer companies to encourage, obviously, the drinking of that beer while they're playing Teho. So it's kind of a push-pull. They want to get away from this negative uh, idea of the sport, but they also are reliant on the beer companies for the majority of their funding. So it's going to be very hard for Teho to become a clean sport unless there's some sort of influx of money from a different company that will allow it maybe to become a bit cleaner and to allow it to bring it into schools and to get a better representation or a better outlook on the sport. I know for a fact after looking at these, I really want to go to Colombia and try out Tejo. At some point I hope to travel a small bit in South America and Colombia is now on my list. A game of Tejo in one of them CD rundown Tejo halls is now on my bucket list and I look forward to it. Gonna have a good drink at it. So I could have went on for hours and hours about different national sports, but I didn't want to just be rhyming them off and say national sport of whatever is this national sport, this country is this. I wanted to go into detail a small bit more. Um, so hopefully you've enjoyed it. I would highly recommend to look back or look up some of these games on YouTube. Tejo, um, Baddy, Bio. I'll write them in an Instagram post, so little plug there. Follow my Instagram and you'll find all the random national sports that you can Google and have a look at. Thanks a million. Take it, have a cheesy.